Hi guys, welcome to Brokenomics. I'm absolutely delighted in this episode to be joined by Lawrence Lepard, who will be joining me in just a few moments. Um, Lawrence is a former pilot. He's a graduate uh, with MBA from um, Harvard University. He's a, he's a big-time money manager. He runs um, Equity Management Associates, so EMA, which is a large Boston wealth manager. I met him at an um, investment conference here in London not so long ago. Uh, and he agreed to come on Brokenomics, which is absolutely fantastic because this guy's highly experienced and he understands um, all of the aspects that we're wanting to be getting into in this series. So check out this uh, conversation with Larry. Hi, welcome to Brokenomics. And I'm absolutely delighted this episode to be joined by Larry, Larry Leppard. Thanks for coming on. Very nice to be with you. It's, uh, it's good to see you again since the last trip to Britain. Yeah, no, no, thank, thanks for coming on. Um, do you mind if I start with the with the thirty second elevator pitch of what Brokenomics is all about? And you can see if we're sure. more or less on the same page. Yep. Um, so, so Brokenomics. The argument is that that gold is money. Um, the the criminal class really wormed their way into money in the early nineteen hundreds with the central banks. Um, that went into overdrive in nineteen seventy one, where money became a, a essentially a fabrication. Um, but essentially, we kind of got away with it for the last 50 years. And the reason we kind of got away with it is because we had inflationary money, but we also had an inflationary economy, more or less. Um, it was based on more. And in the early 2000s, that shifted. It's now all about efficiency. And this whole thing is starting to unravel. Are we, are we more or less on the same page, Larry? I think that's absolutely right. <laughs> I like your description, the criminal class. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I think I think you said in a, in a previous interview that I watched in, uh, in in your business school, the guys at the top of the class ended up going into business and doing very well for themselves. Oh, yeah. and the guys at the bottom of the class, um, they ended up in central banking and made even more money. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in the United States. I mean, you 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 if you go along, get along, you do well, but you got to play the game and live the lie and. Uh, you know, the fiat system is very much built on a lie. And uh, yeah, it's you're right. We got away with it for a long time. And I'm not quite sure why it's all catching up to us now, but it sure is. I mean, it's the old Stein's law. If something can't yeah. go on forever, it's going to end, right? Yeah, perfectly said. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is is we've now got a, a, essentially a deflationary economy, a tech-based economy. Yeah. And so that has to ha that has to run into, you know, the hard problem of a money system exactly. that needs constant inflation. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the debt where you're from is, is really getting out of control. I saw recently that um, the U.S. is getting very close to the point of a trillion a year just in debt servicing costs. Correct. Yeah, the interest costs here are just going through the roof. And, of course, when you take interest rates from almost not or zero, as you guys would say, uh, to, you know, 55, 500 basis points, um, hmm. you know, the government's the biggest, one of the biggest debtors, right? So it's, it's a real and, problem. And and one of the things where that's really um, upset, of course, is is the banking system. Um, yeah. Do you think the the banking crisis is behind us? I do not. I think that uh, this reminds me very much of 0708, where Bear Stearns failed, and then the VFC happened. You know, six months later. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, Silicon Valley Bank was a warning sign, uh, and they managed to stuff it back in the can. You know, the BTFP program, etc. But there are a lot of problems in a lot of banks. I mean. I've seen numbers that show that 65% of the U.S. banks are, are technically bankrupt if you marked all their assets to market today based on commercial wow. real estate, a lot of loans that were made that just don't make sense. And this is what happens at the end of these big swings where you have, as, as Austrians call it, malinvestment. And it's just been incredible malinvestment. I mean, holding interest rates at zero for 15 odd years 
plus or minus. I mean, that just it's this is a distorted economy that uh, needs a it's a long way to correct it, right? Yeah, but lot. the problem we've got is is governments are addicted to spending and yes. they can't afford. Well, they, they can't. Well, they can't afford anything over two. I mean, it's questionable they could even afford, you know, two. So, so, yeah. so but what, but what happens here? Because you know, uh, we we notionally have independent central banks, but the political class surely sits above them. So, yes. what happens when the government can't afford to pay its bills? Well, you know, I think the the model that we have to look at is very much the third world model. Um, you know that. Uh, and, and of course, it's it's odd to see the United States looking like a third world country. But if you kind of look at the math and, and the balance sheet and the income statement, we really are. And you know, in uh, Reinhardt Rogoff and others have documented that you know, in 99 out of 100 cases where you get this much debt to GDP, um, you know, you're going to default or 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 technically default, which is to say you're going to inflate it away massively, uh, which isn't you know that means the money gets paid, but the money has much less value. So. One of those two things is coming, and, and that's, of course, the, the tricky part for all of us trying to protect our savings and, and, and you know, hard-earned money is, you know, what order does it come in? Do we get massive deflation or do we get massive inflation? Do we get both? And, you know, it'll be inflation. And I mean, I, I think it's kind of, I, I sadly, I think it might be the worst of both worlds. We're going to get inflation in everything we need, like food and gasoline and so forth, and we're going to get deflation in the stuff we own, like you know, assets like houses and cars and stocks and bonds and all that stuff. So, interesting. It's a mess. You know, it's a real mess. So you you don't believe that an inflation environment will be good for assets? No, I really well, I really don't. Not if the economy is falling apart. You know, I mean, um, and I think the economy will fall apart because I think it's kind of a bubble economy based on fake money. You know, and and I mean, the only way, look, it's 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 really really tricky because. The only way they can keep it going is to massively print, but massively printing creates massive inflation. And so, you know, and, and we're at the point now where we're, we're seeing real extremes. I mean, they printed, you know, $6 billion uh, in this last, or I'm sorry, $6 trillion in this last cycle and create, increased the money supply of 42% in two years. And, you know, you guys, we have had, we had headline inflation of 9%. You guys, that's every day for you guys. You've got double digit yeah. headline inflation, right? Yeah, and are just getting baked, and then well, and, that, and that's the official numbers as well, which is we yeah, were right, and we know the real ones are worse. So, and then and then you know, in turn, on the flip side of that, you know, bonds have gotten hammered, and and housing prices are flat. I mean, in real terms, everything's going down. Every asset is going down in value because of, you know, unless it's inflating at fifteen or twenty percent, you know, it's losing relative value. So it, it's just a shit show. I mean, <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Well, I mean, my feeling is is that we went in um, twenty twenty two from no, no, sorry, earlier than that, twenty twenty. We went from probably one of the easiest macro scenarios that I've ever seen, which was, you know, the the, the governments around the world started to massively inject liquidity, you know, printing money yeah. effectively. Yes. Um, and it was it was such a clear signal get into get into risk basically, um, you yeah. know, uh, stocks, crypto. It was it was honestly the, the easiest macro environment that I've ever seen. And right. we transition to this, which is, you know, what the hell to make of, of what's going on. I mean, how, how as a money manager, how are you navigating it? Well, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. And I don't know that I'm navigating it correctly. But, um, you know, and, and smart guys like Druckenmiller have said this is the toughest macro environment he's ever seen in, you know, 45 years of investing. Yeah. So, well, if I it's tough for him. Yeah, yeah. And he's not a stupid guy. He's a very mm -hmm. smart guy. So, so, you know, look. I don't think you can trade it, to be honest with you. I've tried to short stocks at times. And I've tried to look at things in three-month and six-month windows, and 
Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think you can do it. I think you've got to figure out what you want to own, why you want to own it, and then you got to sit tight with it. Okay. And because I think at the end of the day, this monetary system is going to blow up. Um, and whether that's a, a financial collapse that leads to massive deflation um, or it's a you know runaway inflation, either one of those things, I know that um, the, the sound assets, what I consider to be quote unquote sound money assets, will be favored over certainly over bonds, um, probably over property and stocks as well. And so to me, you know, the go-to assets are gold, silver, and then Bitcoin. Um, you know, and right. of course, Bitcoin is, is riskier and it's an emerging sound asset. But um, the fact that the supply is limited and it is being adopted, um, you know, it, it's to me, it's actually got some of the best asymmetry right now in the market. So, and, and, and you know, I don't try and trade it in a one-year, six-month, two-month, you know, thing. And, and to be honest with you, that's, that's caused me pain. I mean, I, my fund went up 100% kind of two years in a row in 19, 2019, 2020. And since then, I've given half of that back. Because, you know, this, this rate hiking campaign has really, you know, has hurt uh, the risk assets that I'm in, mainly gold miners and silver miners. Having said that, it's interesting to me that even in spite of this rate hiking campaign, gold is still within spitting dif- distance of its all-time high. You know, at 1920, mm. 1950, you know, the all-time high is 2050. It's bounced up against that. I guess there's some inner days of 2070, but it's bounced against that a few times. I mean, to me... You know, there's something going on here in the fact that rates have gone up enormously since early 2022, and yet gold is very is peaking at an all-time high. And yeah, so, so the textbook that, should say that gold doesn't do well in that environment. Exactly. In that environment, gold should be down 20 30%, and it's not. And so what that tells me is that, you know, gold is just waiting for the Fed to capitulate, which they will have to do unless they want to have the Great Depression, you know, round two. And uh, we don't know when they'll do it. You know, I, I thought Silicon Valley banks blowing up was, was going to be it and was the start of it. Um, mm-hmm. To their credit, you know, they managed to stuff it all back in the box for now. But, you know, it, it's, it's still there. The problems are still there. The, as you pointed out, that interest, U.S. interest expense number is still growing rapidly. Deficits are getting larger. I mean, you know, you enter what kind of becomes a doom loop. And I'm sure you've described this to your listeners where, you know, the, the debts, get, I mean, the, the interest rate goes up, the debt interest costs get higher, deficits get larger, they got to sell more bonds, there's no one there to buy the bonds, so interest rates go up, and it yeah. becomes a vicious negative circle. And this, we've, you know, this is not unusual. This is at, you know, it's, it's unusual at the U.S. sovereign credit level, because the U.S. has been technically, you know, relatively stable for, for some time. But, but this is not at all unusual. I mean, if you go look at Argentina or Venezuela or Brazil mm-hmm. or um, you know, Weimar Germany or, or Zimbabwe, or, you know, there have been hundreds of, of big inflationary events. And when governments do what the United States government is doing, which is to say they run, it runs huge deficits and funds those deficits by printing money and selling bonds, um, then eventually, you know, the monetary unit loses value, significant value against things that cannot be printed. And in my mind, the one, number one monetary thing that cannot be printed is gold and you know, second to that is silver, and then emerging now is is Bitcoin. Yeah. So yeah, I mean you're right because I mean you know in, in the macro sphere we we keep talking about this as if it's some big mystery, but actually the setup that we've got is a perfectly ordinary one that, like we've you say, happens it. all the time. Yeah, it's, we've it's, seen it. Just it. it happens in third world countries all the time. That's exactly right. This is there's no, there's no mystery here. The mystery and the shock is that it's at the U.S. sovereign level, you know, and this is the world's reserve currency, and of course, hmm. you know, we've got all the guns and we've managed to create wars and proxy wars and 
Yeah. You know, we're, we're doing all kinds of crazy shit, like grabbing 600 billion of reserves that didn't belong to us and, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, look, the, yeah. the existing monetary authorities, in my opinion, are struggling. Um, they're putting on a brave face, but I'm absolutely convinced they're playing a losing hand. I mean, they're totally. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it just feels. Um, I mean, I, I always ask my guests this, and and they always try and cop out by by giving me the answer resign, which I'm not going to allow you to do. But if you were <laughs> the, the 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 chairman of the Federal Reserve, what on earth would you do? That, that, that is the right answer, resign. But I won't cop out. I'll get. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll try and give you my my best answer. I mean, yeah. look, the honourable thing to do, in my opinion, if you were if you were you know if you're trying to play God and trying to be fair about it all, the honourable thing to do would be to come forward and say, guys. We built our monetary system on something that was on a theory that was broken and that taken through the, the errors. MMT. Of, yeah, MMT and the fundamental flaws in Keynesianism. So we cannot hmm. continue to grow credit and debt forever without blowing up the system and having massive inflation or massive deflation. We need to return to a sound money standard. It's a little similar to what, what Roosevelt did in the 30s. And therefore, what I'm doing as of today is we're going to create a new dollar and 10 of the old dollars is equal to one new dollar. And that new dollar has a value of um, $20,000 an ounce of gold. And you can exchange these dollars, these new dollars for gold. 20,000 of them will give you an ounce of gold. And that's that. And we're not printing any more money on a go forward basis. So we now have a sound money standard. Those of you who hold those old dollars, guess what? You just got massively depreciated, both sides of the balance sheet, assets and liabilities. But we are right. returning. We are returning to a sound money standard. It's, it's basically a monetary reset, and um, it would hurt. But it would be if you did it this way, as opposed to the hyperinflation route. Maybe if you gave some warning and some, you know, some, um, you, you could adjust for certain parts of the pain to try and make it so that it's equally and evenly felt across all all parts of society. I mean, that's to me, that's the best we could hope for. But that would involve. You know, the monetary authorities recognizing how yes. long they've been and how broken their model is and how, you know, unfair it is. And, and that really the, the right answer is to return to sound money. I mean, the thing that, you know, is as screwed up and broken and scary as all this shit is. And, you know, this is not something that hasn't happened before. We've seen it happen in many other countries. I've read about it, studied it, looked at it carefully. And the, there's one piece of good news in all this, Dan, and that is this. When... You have a hyperinflation, a monetary collapse, a monetary reset, and you return to sound money. You you set that you go back and say, okay, this is the new form of money that we are using, and it's backed by this, and we're not going to print it. The system repairs itself pretty quickly. I mean, okay. it really, it, you know, it really does. I mean, post Weimar Germany, you know, they now they were all pissed off, and that's what led to them electing Hitler, but. But the point is, economically, post Weimar, they went to you know land-based marks, and then the marks became gold-based, and so, you know, the the and the economy recovered, and and other economies have recovered. I mean, if you return to sound money, economies work when they have sound money. What's broken in this economy? There's nothing fundamentally broken in this economy, and we've got great technology, great people, we've got great everything. We've just got a broken monetary system. Well, well, America has fundamentally a great hand. I mean, it's it, it's geography, it's resources, um, it it's got an educated public, it's got energy, it's got so <laughs> I'll, much I'll, going I'll for it. I'll debate that with you. <laughs> the educated <laughs> so public bit, part. The, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> yeah, your your media and your education system, well, same here, is not exactly geared to uh, churning out people who uh, who who, who know how to think. Thinkers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, right. they, they tend to. There are a lot of people here who get led and fooled, sadly. 
as there are everywhere. And that's what, the politi- that's what the politicians rely upon. Hmm. You know, they rely upon the stupidity of a lot of people to... So I agree with everything you've just said, and yeah. that makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm sure you're right that things would rebound quite quickly. The problem is I cannot fathom how anybody could ever get elected promising what you've just Well, promised. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And neither, neither can I. And that's why I say, as people look at coming into my fund, I often say to them, I say, look, they, they, if they're smart, they ask me, say, how could this not work? You know, describe to me, Larry, how this won't work. And I would say, well, two things. One, mm-hmm. if you get it at the wrong part of the cycle, like two years ago and the tightening, and so we've had you know, some down months. I said, the other thing would be, if government's ever got really responsible, I mean, there is one other way out of this. It's kind of what they did post-World War II. And that would be they financially repressed the bond market and they balanced the budget. Yep. And so, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, right, exactly. And you laugh okay. and I laugh. And of course, my potential investors, they all laugh. We all laugh. That's never yeah. going to happen. But it's but never say never. I mean, it, you know, it's entirely possible that faced with the prospect of hyperinflation or truly balancing the budget, you know, they might get there, get a, a group of people in there who would say, you know what, we've got to means test Social Security and we've got to cut it back 30 percent and we've got to. You know, stop these wars. We got to get out of the Ukraine. Yeah. We got to get rid of all these military base. We got to take our defense expenses and cut it in half. You know, I mean, there is a scenario. That's not. I mean, it, it, you know, you and I both laugh, and we know that that's extremely unlikely in today's yeah. world. But it's not. You know, things can change. It's not necessarily unlikely forever. But but what you are describing is basically wiping out the elite interests. I mean, you, well, you just described exactly taking right. out taking out the political. The I mean. Um, I, 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 I don't understand American politics as, as well as you, but my understanding is is that the three branches of government are BlackRock, Raytheon, and uh, <laughs> Pfizer. So that's about you're, right. You're basi- yeah, you're basically talking about sort of you know wiping out those interests, the entire political class. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. You know the stock of assets, the, the donor class, effectively that sits behind this. So yeah. the absolute catastrophe that you would have to be staring down the barrel of. Well, they are yeah. staring down the barrel, but you would have to be conscious of that. Yes. In order to make that decision with a divided political system, um, you know what, what's the more likely scenario? Well, I think the more likely scenario is, and people, a lot of people have asked me this, and I don't have a crystal ball. And, and you know, just to keep it to, to give you some perspective, you know, when two thousand eight happened, I thought the the fiat system was over. So, you know, to give you an indication of how wrong I have been and can be. Yeah. Um, having said all of that. Yeah, looking at this as a fourth turning, which it kind of is, in my opinion, you're probably familiar with the book, others are, um, they tend to last about 20 years if you say they kicked it off in 2008. Um, I think what happens here is we keep swinging back and forth between tight money and loose money as the monetary authorities try to get it under control. You know, they had amazingly loose money during COVID. Now they've come in with incredibly tight money. And of course, this is going to tank the economy. And I think three to six months from now, the narrative will be completely different. Inflation won't be a problem. The fact that the economy is tanking and everybody's unemployed and we're entering a depression and there's bankruptcy everywhere, that'll be a problem. And of course, at that point in time, they will turn around and cut interest rates and resume QE and, you know, go back to loose money. And at that point in time, you know, gold will go through 3,000, silver silver will go through, you know, 100, uh, Bitcoin will go through 150,000, et cetera, et cetera. And so... You know, we'll be back in the inflationary upswing and, and, and that wing. And then, of course, maybe they'll try to counter that. And I, you know, I don't know how mo- many more of these waves up and down we have. But at one of these waves, everybody's going to come to the con- And this is the end point, in my con- con- opinion. In one of these waves, everyone's going to come to the conclusion. These guys don't know what they're doing. And this monetary system is totally out of control. Get me the hell out of these dollars. I don't. So, so this know. is 
this is something that people ask me a lot. They always ask me because I, I, I talk about the similar sort of things to you're talking about, and I always say, yeah. you know, this is this is going to come to an end. Well, you, it, it's like the quote you started with: uh, "If something yeah. cannot go on forever, it won't." Right. Um, so, so I know this is going to come, and people always ask me the question. They say, you know, when do you think it's going to come to a head? Right. And the answer I give is towards the end of the decade. Now, I don't actually know if it is going to be towards the end of the decade, even though it feels kind of right. That's kind of my way of saying it's probably not immediate but it's not so far off that you can forget about it and you need to start planning. That's, but that's, do you? I think you're very wise about that. And that's kind of how I see it, too. I mean, I think it's very unlikely it's going to happen in the next two years. I don't think this next upswing is going to do it. I think we've got a couple more in us. Um, I, I, put it, I put the furthest out that it could possibly be is, is uh, 2038. That's a long way out. Okay, I mean, that's absolutely... I mean, what what, by what then, gets you to that date, by the way? Because that well, does that's feel... just kind of the max length of a fourth turning. You know, okay. and, and I'm just I'm just being like super conservative about, you know, adoption rates on Bitcoin and, and gold and so forth. But okay. that to me, that's the I think the most to me, the window when I think it'll probably. OK, what, what, are, what let's, first of all, let's describe what we're talking about. What we are talking about is an absolute and complete failure of fiat, where people literally say, you know, where the dollar looks like the Venezuelan you know, currency, where it's just nobody wants them. They're worthless. They're completely worthless. And To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.